Ooh, it's gonna get dirty. Hello and welcome to episode three of The Dirty Dish. I am your host, Lucas Brooks, and I have two fantabulous guests with me here today. We have the incredible Victor Devon reporting to us from Riverside, California. Hello. We have, I don't know why I'm gesturing because it doesn't matter because you'll just show up when you show up on Zoom. <laughs> Certainly you just coming to us from New York City. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be here. Two humans I've enjoyed sharing the stage with many times during my days in New York. Uh, who have both slept on my couch at some point, and it's always had a great time because my couch is very comfortable. It's true. That's not, that's not a euphemism. It's just true. Um, <laughs> but I'm really, really glad to have both of you here. You really showed up as I knew you would, and therefore I had to like compete by putting some kind of a face on because I would have felt naked, and then I have my purple hair. Oh yeah, my hair is purple, guys. It's nice. Nice. I did it myself. It was uh, actually really interesting because I went to vote the other day because I'm a responsible voter. And one of the voting, one of the poll workers was like losing her mind over my hair. She's like, your hair, it's so good. How do I do that? Where do I go? I was like, I'm really embarrassed to tell you I did this myself because this is not good. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I managed a salon for two and a half years. I've done my hair, or I've had my hair done by professionals. This is not good. But I can tell you where to go to get it done good, and I did. Um, <laughs> also, our, our expectations are way lower in pandemic time, so. too, uh, this is <laughs> I did a, a spur of the moment because I was bored. Like, none of us are trying to do perfection at home. Um, exactly. If anyone has pants on right now is really just a, a marvel unto itself. Oh my God, like mm -hmm. below the waist, I am frumpy as fuck right now. I am wearing pants, but they are not fitting with the rest of this. <laughs> I'm such a masochist. Well, you know, I see other girls who are doing for, just for the waist up, and they can do it. No, I I need to put on the tuck. I put on the heels. Like, girl has to feel like she's in it. Like, you you, you, you tuck it all in, even for the <laughs> even okay. I was it, it gives the, 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 the also like how long must it have taken you to do your hair, Charlie? The dye job on that one is gorgeous. It's <laughs> obviously authentic and one hundred percent natural. Clearly, she has the receipt. <laughs> That's a perfect segue to ask you all what you've been up to during these unprecedented times. What's been going on? I know, Victor, you had a recent grand move across country. I did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, well, the grand move has been sort of in the works for the last three years. Uh, my husband got a, yeah. My husband got a, a job here in academia, and I've been doing the back and forth because as Y'all know I had a regular gig in New York City and also just had a, you know, just systems in place, but was doing the back and forth. And this April was supposed to be the big drive. So it was supposed to uh, ship what I needed, put everything else in a, in a car, my car, and then drive across the country, which we'd done once before. We did that with his car. Uh, so we know it's doable. This time we were going to enjoy it just a little bit more, just take a little bit more time. And um, I went back to the East Coast for about six and a half days before there was a possibility of flights not going through anymore. So I came back, 
car is still there. Much of my stuff is still there. Uh, but at least I'm here with the husband and the cat and, you know, the white powder at the very least. That's what I, I have that going for me. No, like, I was getting all disoriented for a second. I was like, wait, you are in California, right? And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, of it's, course. It's, you know, and it's interesting being in California comparatively to what's going, because all of, uh, most of my friends and most of the people I know are East Coast, if not New York or in and New Jersey. So we were hit, each coast was hit really, really hard by the pandemic. And each governor, although I, it's probably like a switch. I don't know if everyone's really enjoyed what Cuomo's been up to, but everyone is sort of divided on Newsom too. So I think he's done more in place to, to protect us, but it certainly has limited, you know, anything that we could do instead of being home. And as, an, as someone who's not in New York presently, I feel like I've seen a lot of praise for Cuomo, but I haven't seen a lot necessarily from people who live there. So um, no obligation <laughs> to early, but if you want to tack that on, feel free. But honestly, tell me what you're doing. I care more about you than what the politicians are up to. Well, I have been taking the time to do some more uh, creative chances. I decided when the pandemic hit that I, I needed to do something to just keep myself busy. I don't do well staying in place. I don't do well. Uh, I, I can do well on my own, but the, the confinement was getting to me, and I knew it would. So I, I decided to, to start my own live show where I could just keep on continuing to spark some creativity and reach out to my audience and build that. It's been going pretty well. I did a show earlier uh, this evening, and uh, there were so many uh, song requests, I decided to just split it up into two shows. I just, uh, Gold last week, I did gold this week, and it's, it's nice just being able to regularly do something and keep my brain busy. And that, in addition to that, I also decided to, just on a whim, apply to uh, an ad that I, I saw for the Lisa Val Brooklyn Recording Company. They're doing this project where you, they take artists and they put out pre-order sales for their singles, and uh, on a single day, they come to the recording studio and record everything and everybody who pre-orders gets a, a seven inch vinyl single for uh, all personalized and everything and I, I I had a couple of songs just sitting at the bottom of my drawer and I, I finished another one and I, I said you know what? why don't we just take a shot why don't we just see what happens I, I spent so much time I, I think this quarantine really um, made me look in the mirror and say okay now you've got nothing to do. So we, you know, now it doesn't matter whether or not there's an audience there. It doesn't matter if there's a, a following or not. Like, creativity has to be made. So I, I'm glad that I'm stepping out of myself and taking some bigger chances on some stuff and just seeing what happens. So are you both, like, working from home, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I, I already worked from home in on the East right. Coast, right. so I had that, our, those systems already in place, and my business partner already traveled, so we already had it where one could be in the office and one could not, and we'll eventually have it where neither of us have to be in the office. But uh, yes, I'm extraordinarily fortunate to have that in place. The problem is, is that I handle other businesses that are in flux because of the pandemic, so our income is really reliant on their economy situation. So, but um, I know that we have uh, the right idea. So I'm hoping that people pull through and that we're able to be there for them 
so that they can keep, you know, keep going and don't lose their, their businesses. Cause it's, it's scary. This is, this is probably uh, one of the worst times to rent a building uh, or yeah, or start fresh. There's for some reason, 2020 was everyone's like a, a, a mission board was to start something new. Oops. <laughs> Oh my God, I feel attacked by that statement, but yes. <laughs> oh God, every little bit, girl. Mm. Like, I feel exactly that same way. I was uh, saying to somebody a little while ago, I felt like for the first time in a long time, I was turning my life around with both hands, you know? And uh, all I had gigs lined up, I had I got to a show, I did some other, like, all of a sudden everything just kind of like evaporated. Mm -hmm. And it shows honestly that you can have as many things ready but uh, if, you know, whatever cosmically runs us, they can, it can just change like that. And it's a matter of being as flexible as possible, so. Word. So, let's see what's on the uh, clipboard or whatnot for you today. So, if you're just tuning in for the first time, hi, this is The Dirty Dish. Thank you for being here. Um, the plan is I am going to just talk about some sex-related current events uh, in the most non-biased way pop, uh, possible. And then we're going to talk about them in probably the least biased way possible, or the most biased way possible. Let's write that, reverse it. And talk a little shit, but like in a not kink shamey or slut shamey or sex shamey way. We're just gonna pick a little, talk a little and uh, have a good time because it's what we do. So um, let me see, who do I want to talk shit about first? Just kidding. Not really, actually, I'm not kidding at all. Um, I know who exactly want to talk shit about first because so there was a dramatic uh, stretch between episode two and episode three due to some personal things in my end, but I've been dying to talk shit about Jerry Falwell Jr. And probably not for the reasons that some of you might be thinking, but in case you have not been in the know, as I've been following this religiously, um, so this, what was that? So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka. Um, I, I wish I thought about myself. I'm not in it. Um, so this, I, I pulled, I, I could have pulled it from anywhere. I chose to pull this article from the New York Magazine. Uh, Spare a thought for the corpse of Jerry Falwell Sr. His heir, Jerry Jr., has not conferred glory on the family name. Capping weeks of scandalous publicity and a suspension from Liberty University, which his father founded and where Jr. is president, Reuters has reported new details about his relationship with Miami businessman. That man, Giancarlo Garanda, confirmed that he had been in a sexual relationship with his fall, with, with Falwell's wife, Becky, with an I, with her husband's approval. Becky and I developed an intimate relationship, and Jerry enjoyed us. Oh, so I was thinking I was talking as Jerry, sorry. <laughs> I could do a, a racist accent, don't worry. Becky and I developed an intimate relationship, and Jerry enjoyed watching from the corner of the room, Granda told Reuters. The, ex the encounters took place multiple times a year, from 2012 to 2018, he added. Texts, recordings, and screenshots obtained by Reuters appear to show Granda discussing the relationship with the couple. 
Huh. It reminds me of a meme I saw, or I guess it was just a, a good old comic earlier tonight with a graham cracker and a piece of chocolate propositioning a marshmallow on an opposite couch. Um, <laughs> but have you been following this story at all? I mean, to a degree. Um, I, I'm on Twitter most of the day because I have two screens and I have a short attention span. Uh, so a little bit. <laughs> Uh, admittedly, uh, it seems, I, I, I was not a big fan of uh, Mr. Fowell's father. Uh, I believe he blamed us for September 11th, the, the homosexuals and the deviants. He was gay. Well, also, he, oh, yes. He was gay, but that wasn't relevant. Yes. Uh, and he also attacked um, uh, free speech, but specifically pornographers' free speech with the famous uh, People versus Larry Flint case. Um, with Hustler Magazine. Uh, and so he's, um, he's dead now. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> as as, Be as uh, Betty Davis once said, uh, they say not to talk ill of the dead. Uh, so he's dead, good. Um, <laughs> I think I'm that... Uh, talking ill about the dead. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to steal that. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's the same old story. It's, it's, it's everyone's favorite religious, uh, bigot hypocrisy where people make entire careers out of naysaying and, uh, letting people know how badly they feel about your sexuality or the choices that you have been presented with biologically. And, uh, and then made it like a career. So it's, it's super, it's, he's made money off of that. And that's gross. So uh, I think the one sad thing is it's super baity for, uh, again, no pun intended, uh, baity in that it's really easy to make shitty cuckolding jokes as if the focus should be that he's a deviant when that's not the problem. And that kind of, it, it, it sort of, it makes you, it makes me, it makes some uh, folk that I, I agree with sort of uh, have to almost defend for the sake of defending um, what really shouldn't be, you know, uh, shameable behavior. What he did with his wife and another guy is entirely their business. Cool, the guy is very attractive, I could understand. Um, but you know, it just smacks a little bit, a little bit of McGreevy, if anyone remembers that from New Jersey, uh, governor where yeah, he had, a, I was like, I was like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Yeah. He had a relationship with his wife and I believe it was their chauffeur and it was, yeah. it came out later that it was an all three situation as opposed to just him and the chauffeur. It just yeah. sort of t a tale as old as time. Margaret Show had a great bit about that, which is like, why did he have to resign from being gay? Because he had to, he couldn't keep the balls out of his eyes. <laughs> Apparently, they would, they, they would, like, they would get together after work and mm -hmm. TGI Fridays and have a threesome. Mm -hmm. you know, not for the threesome, but TGI Fridays. <laughs> um, Shirley, what are your thoughts? I, I totally agree that we are always, whenever something like this happens in the media, never about the real problem. I don't care that you watch your wife uh, have sex with another man. His name is amazing alone. Like, he's, I'm sure that he is great. I'm sure Giancarlo Grada is 
tell you in the sack, you know, but it, it's the hypocrisy of everything. You, I don't understand how so many people just expect that no one's going to figure something out. Like, if, if I'm totally of the, um, the mindset these days that everything has, has to be as public as you would put it on Facebook, you know, and if people were more upfront about all of the things that really make us uh, interesting and freaky, then the, uh, the rest could be dealt with appropriately. But we keep having to put everything under the same um, umbrella. It's not about the sex. It's about the fact that you uh, talk shit about people who are uh, doing just exactly what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had this moment, I mean, I've had this moment so many times because I like, doing dirty things but like early in the trump presidency when the p-tape thing came out and everyone was like shitting on wire sports in general I'm like guys i'm just gonna own it i like that kind of stuff so check yourself mm-hmm. and redirect your attention please and thank you and it just sort of says that awful people are also just people sometimes so you have to recognize that that's not what makes them awful and deconstruct it and again it's like a really low-hanging fruit and it's really tempting but and also i believe and i haven't explored too much of that side of this side of it because again it's the sex that is the headline that there may have been some misappropriation of funds that there's some legality involving that because a guy having sex with your wife while you watch is not illegal so the reason that it's a story is not just the hypocrisy, but also because I think there were like private jet situations that who paid for that sort of, uh, and since he's a, a part of a foundation, that's questionable. Um, also, also clearly, <laughs> it's clear also that this guy, um, who I don't believe has been identified as an escort or a sex worker, um, kept very careful documentation because you can't have screenshots and, and recordings unless you're the one doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, I think you you got to do something with that if you have it. Like, that's, the, that's always the problem. You're right. The article did mention something about, like, flying him out. Uh, fly, there was multiple visits and there was, there was some jet work like that there's so much misappropriation going mm-hmm. on it, it doesn't it shouldn't have to be that uh, big an issue because it, it should be we should be able to uh, do that appropriately and do, and do this in, in the correct way but if you're if you're going to keep it a secret and you're going to use uh, different funds and you're going to um, supply this in a, a way that's not your own money like you gotta talk about that mm-hmm and also a lot of foundations and businesses and universities have moral clauses. And that really opens up, I think, a larger question about the implied ethics of sexuality and what you're allowed to do privately that suddenly you can also feel pressure to resign about. Because then you're, you're, there's, this is basically being said that he had to resign because it was shameful. Not because, it, I mean, and we had uh, New York had Anthony Weiner, who after a couple of scandals was still in office and he basically apologized, but he refused to let that be um, the reason he would quit um, until I think eventually it <laughs> did. But um, because then I think it also like 
started going into underage territory, if I remember correctly. But um, it does get into, yeah, it, it gets into um, perceived morality as to what we, what a business can decide to fire you over or pressure you to resign. Because again, there are people who resign who they made a deal and they didn't resign because they felt that it was the best choice. They resigned because they would get the most benefit out of doing so. Yeah, There's I mean, a severance. Like got like a fuck ton of money for resigning as like a severance pay or something. So it's like, but um, also like, I feel like, you know, when certain figures of power implement expectations and morals such as that, there's often like a an exception clause for the people who are actually in power. And that's the thing I want to fucking kill to the ground. <laughs> um, just cause like, you know, they, they feel like they can get away with it and they do until they don't. And then it's like damage control and they don't know how to handle it. It's like, why are you surprised you got caught? Yeah. It's like a fine for, uh, for misdemeanors. If it's not really affecting the, the, the entire population, then why are we doing it? Just, uh, a fine is just a fact attack on poor people. If we get letting people get away with it and letting people have a pass because uh, they have the money and the power, then what the hell are we doing anyway? Mm -hmm. And also, you get open yourself up to like discrimination lawsuits. I don't think he has quite that gumption, but we had there was oh I don't remember what their position was, but they were caught having a relationship with um, an aide. Or, or someone in their, like an, um, someone in their, you know, circle of, of work. And they were able to, I think, sue, or at least attempt to sue the invasion of privacy aspect of it. Because there's so many, there's so many things in play. Like, is it really our business to know what, what is on those recordings? Eventually, and it won't be Tucker Carlson, but eventually it'll be on something. Because yeah, again, no, no, it's low-hanging I mean, fruit and it's salacious. That that's that's like definitely a a um, conversation I most have with myself. On the one hand, it's not my business. On the other hand, if you are, you know, dehumanizing people who do the same thing, then yeah. you kind of deserve it. Yeah, it's yeah, like on yeah. the business decency, and so I was like, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> part of being a celebrity and part of being that public is giving up part of your private life. Like, that's why they call it going back to private life. If you're going to be out and about and spouting stuff, then a lot of what you do inside your house is going to be on display and up for grabs. And it should, like, that's a completely different conversation altogether, I think. But at this moment in time, if you're going to be a public figure, then a lot of it is up for sale. Like, it's really another, and it's another outing. It's really what it, yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, that struggle is real, and like th where the boundary is drawn is sort of strange. Like, and uh, like this is a much more like simple and superficial example of such a thing. But like, I remember like at least a decade back. You're both Broadway fans. You probably know about this, or at least be vaguely familiar. But like, apparently, um, Tarzan star Josh Strickland took some heat for being spotted on Manhunt. Oh, oh. A Broadway actor, really? Shocker, I know. <laughs> but like, oh, apparently, this was a heated topic for a while. I, uh, I missed the actual conversation, but it was in like 
Broadway.com gossip or some bullshit like that. But it's just um, like, okay, that like, granted, he's in the public eye to a certain degree. But there are no stakes to that. Right, yeah. yeah. He's not like <laughs> saying, oh, don't have sex with dudes and then going to have sex right. Like, if you see the show, you have no doubt. Actually, I can't say that because I saw his understudy. But oh, um, it's a good line. It's a good line. <laughs> keep of it on the spot, not lying. Um, but um, yeah, no, that was just a thing that comes up. You know, just as a performer in general, I think about these things. And granted, most of my sex life is on the internet to be consumed. Well, not most of it anymore because I deleted it. But a lot. Of but you, then you put it in a one-person show, so. A lot of people know my dirty dishes. Um, so I'm not judging. I It's just a thing I think about a lot. Yeah, and also since uh, celebrities and public figures are so exposable, they have social media at their fingertips, they have Instagram, we document our lives as a matter of fact. Um, it, it's going to get increasingly um, more tenuous as to what is a private life. Because again, uh, we've had people who have been exposed for being like total dick bags because they decided to uh, have a political opinion that it was shitty or align themselves with a bad movie director. Like there's, there, we, we have a habit of, um, of, it, of taking all of that in and, and making a summation to their character because they put it out there. And it makes some folk who are, I mean, the Julia Roberts doesn't have a Twitter. We don't know shit about what Julia Roberts is going through. And I'm not surprised you know that Julia Roberts doesn't have a Twitter though. <laughs> well, I'm also, I'm not, I'm not that I've looked recently, but I'm basing that on, a, on, a, on an interview that I recall seeing. Um, but like there's, there's some folk who are, but then you also have other, other people like Rihanna who thrive on social media. I mean, we have a president who spends most of his time on social media where he doles out policy. So it's, it's at a point also in- Fires people in real time. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, that's going to become increasingly clear. Cause again, and that I think also falls into play with the, the recordings and the receipts. Once you put it out there, it doesn't matter if it's an Instagram story and it's going to get uh, deleted in 24 hours. Someone screenshot that. Many people screenshot that. It's on Reddit. It's a few hundred like, and that happens. If it matters. It's far too accessible to just bury everything and not expect that it's going to resurface. Well, Randy, Rand Randy Rainbow just went through that. Somebody just ha happened to just search for it and it just came up. I mean, we're, we're deviating. But like, like, the receipts are always going to be available as long as you, you know, don't cover your tracks. I think I ruined my makeup, it's fine. Oh no, it's my hair, it's great, we're fine, everything's fine. <laughs> Sorry, um, I mean to make you face palm over Randy Rainbow. <laughs> it's it's the only thing I do over Randy Rainbow. Um, but uh, I'm not gonna get into that because this is my show and I don't wanna get burned for it. Um, however, you say, Victor, you set up a perfect transition for both other topics, so I don't even know where to go from here, but I think I know what I'm going to do anyway. Let's go for the uglier and then uh, end with the like more superficial. Um, so, I don't know if y'all heard, but um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders released a book, or is releasing a book soon, which 
very few people ask for. <laughs> uh, right, who's buying that one? I, I don't know what audience that's for. I, I just can't, I don't see any, like, granted I don't talk to Republicans anymore, but like, I just can't imagine the interest that is there. There's gotta be also, because she's someone who was close enough where there has to be an NDA involved and she still likes him. So it's not like a Michael Cohen situation. It's not like um, a couple of books that have come out, which are where that, that tie has been severed. She was just at the RNC. She's still cool with him. So the book can't be terribly unflattering. This moment is. It's odd um, that made it. I was a little confused by it. This is weird. So here's what had happened, y'all, according to The Guardian, who read the book. Donald Trump told Sarah Sand. Uh, wait, did I start the right place? Yes, I did. Donald Trump told Sarah Sanders she would have to go to North Korea and take one for the team after Kim Jong Un winked at the then White House press secretary during a summit in Singapore in June 2018. What was going on in 2018? I can't even remember. <laughs> it feels so long ago. No, but that was also when the Falwells got together with that guy. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, feel so, I, I, I feel so old now. But it's like, Kim Jong-un hit on you, a delighted Trump joked, according to Sanders' new memoir. He did! He fucking hit on you! Um, I mean, that's all I need to share, because the problems are all right there. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to drag Sanders for the way she looks, but I am going to re-remind, I'm going to remind the public of the uh, epic Onion blog post that said, uh, oh god, what was it? Player with negative six charisma keeps trying to roll fucking perception. Fucking, no. Oh, right. Charisma keeps trying to roll oh, fucking perception. Oh my god, I howled when I read that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull that up for the people at home in case uh, they haven't seen it uh, because it's gold and you all deserve it. Um, <laughs> Oh, here it is. Um, oh wait, I have to like, share my screen. Oops. Uh, I'm skipping of Zoom, y'all. Um, share. Desktop. be great at this one. Being a party member with negative three charisma keeps trying to roll fucking deception. <laughs> I could read it. Oh, there's an Ooh. ad for my life. And the cleanest okay. plant-based burger. Okay. <laughs> and if, if you needed that, you're welcome. But this is what I'm talking about. It's art. It's art. Um, and back to the conversation. Um, not here to give Sarah Huckabee Sanders shade for the way she looks. But, um, Not if you're talking about someone flirting with them. I mean, clearly they're doing something right. Obviously someone is into her. And like, you know, there's always that whole thing. People say, oh, nobody wants to see that. Like, there's always somebody who wants to see that. And apparently here it's Kim Jong-un. Um, Thank you. And 
good for her if she's interested. I'm not making assumptions either way. But as a leader of Korea, that's a problem. As a leader of America, there's not a way to talk about it. That is a gross-ass way to handle it, and I'm not surprised, but after the grabbing the pussy talk and the apologetic stuff that happened during the election, you should know better. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I I agree. That that is so not the way to go about that, and that is not news that we need to be focused on. Like, the, the fact that this is something that made a headline that Kim Jong-un flirted with her once, and like, I mean, it's talk about, but still. Yeah. I just mean, like, it, it, it's so far down on the list of uh, things that we could be reporting about. Like, it's such a weird thing to uh, to make that your your public not, it, it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. I mean, like, during my normal day life like i i work a retail job and not my current manager my current manager is fantastic but my previous manager made some completely unsolicited comment about the t- type of man that he thinks i should be dating um which was extremely incorrect and that alone was extremely uncomfortable so the idea of any supervisor let alone the leader of the free country asking someone to have relations with another leader of another country. Or even joking about it. Even joking about yeah. it. Unacceptable, unforgivable, set it on all set it all on fire. I mean, I've been saying this for years, but I especially mean it right now. I think it's so strange because I, I guess my my thing again, since Sanders is not um anti Trump, she's still cool with him. She's still um, part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, who is the story for? Like, the, that's, the, that's what I don't quite understand because I could see this being spun in a couple different ways. One of them being, see, my boss was really inappropriate with me. He calls himself a businessman. He's not supposed to be like, you should know better than this, blah, blah, blah. But that's not how she's slanting it. Um, and they, they excerpt it in the, in the article. They don't give any inclination or any um, uh, implication that she was offended by this or that it bothered her. Like, it's just a story. Like, who is the story for and why? It's just weird. And again, it, since it, it has the potential of being, like, even actionable, like, people could technically go to, like, if it wasn't the president, they could go to HR. Um, exactly what I was, this I was, the, the way this is written is odd. It's just very strange. And yeah, I have to wonder if, it, if I thought she had any scruples she was writing it in this way to sort of sneak it in so we could see it without her having to say it. I don't think she has the scruples. So I'm not sure what the hell the point was. Yeah, I mean, like, I, before I even sent this to you guys, I was trying to find different takes on it just so I kind of got a clearer idea of where this was coming from. And I didn't really get much aside from it's a thing she said in the book and she doesn't seem mad about it which makes me even more mad on her behalf which has a, is a feeling that I hate <laughs> yeah it does say she said sir please stop which is interesting it does say that oh, she yeah. said stop and I like what you said about um, like the mirroring of uh, attitudes like this 
when he when uh, Trump was elected, he really did give people a path to bully and to be awful. Like whatever he does, people take as something you're allowed to do. So this is just adding on to the fire of like, well, if, if he could do that, we can talk about that with any workplace person. Like there's so much, but you're right. Like if it's, if it's not like encouraging a joke and it's not um, truly um, pushing him away or trying to uncover something, then why? What's your end game? Yeah. Bizarre. Someone's like, just trying to make him look adorable, which is way worse. And she should know better than to try something like that, but I... It's a weird humanizing story. (laughs) It's a weird attempt at a humanizing story. It's not doing that. Well, there's so few stories of him, like, having, like, a personal moment. Like, even his kids never talk about, like, how they went to the park, or they, like, they, they only talk about business. So even in the context of this, where she's sort of treating him as like a, as still as a, as a, as a boss, it's sort of strange that to even like attempt to humanize him or give like a off, off the record story, it's still fucking weird. Like it's still weird. Also, I know Trump's an asshole. I can't imagine him saying fucking. For some reason, I can't quite hear it in my head and I'm sure there's recordings of it, but for some reason I can't imagine hear, hearing him saying fucking. <laughs> I can't. I just want to avoid it. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard it. I can't imagine it, but I understand where you're coming from on this one. <laughs> that this is like the slight credit I will ever give to Trump. No, I'm not saying he didn't, but it's just like one of those times. Like, it, like just some of the language. I mean, hearing Obama say "motherfucker" was a, was an entertaining moment, and the only reason that happened was because he did an audio book where he quoted somebody. So those uh, that so audio was out there. Moment, and I'm yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> if he ever uh, really said it, I, I I feel that it would just sound like that racist grandfather that you're trying to put in the corner. Like I, that's what I I totally get about that. Like yeah, no, I, I don't think he just talks about how racist Mexicans are. Like I don't. You know, <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm not gonna quote anything because it's not my place, but um in Wanda Sykes' latest special, Not Normal, she has a, a bit where she's like quoting an imaginary scenario between Michelle and Barack and uses profanity. And I'm like, that didn't happen. <laughs> but also as Wanda is a black person and they are black people, I'm like, it could have happened. But um, also Not Normal is one of the funniest things I've seen on Netflix in years. If you haven't seen it, please do. That's for everyone watching not just you guys um but yeah uh it was gross i was i was uncomfortable to like bring that to anyone's attention but i was like this seems worth talking about yeah. kind of uh, okay uh. <laughs> moving right along to the probably the least ugly topic of the night which is not saying much i'm sorry i was trying to do fluffier material but not much good is happening in the world right now. Um, Andy Cohen shared shirtless Anderson Cooper photos to piss him off, and it worked. Um, I, I, I have a lot. Of- <laughs> Shocker. 
Bravo's Andy Cohen shared some shirtless shots of his BFF Anderson Cooper on Tuesday, writing, if it were a normal year, I'd be on vacation with my pal, threatening to post shirtless pics of him. Well, it's 2020, I'm sitting on my deck, so I figured I'd just post without asking and piss him off. Hashtag Silver Fox. So, I always, always, always want to look at Anderson Cooper in the least level of clothing possible. I'm only human. But, like, it sounds like Anderson was genuinely upset that these photos of him were shared without his consent, despite being by his BFF. And I'm angry on his behalf. I also just think Andy Cohen's a turd, but um, that's my own opinion. Uh, I'm not projecting opinions on anyone else. But I, I figured a conversation about consent and imagery and stuff was worth having in these unprecedented times. And he clearly did this to get a rise out of him. Like, he, he said, point blank, I know this is going to piss him off, and I'm doing it anyway. And the other bit in the article where he, he goes on the Instagram to, to defend himself, he's like, well, I was bored, and I was just sitting around, and what else is going to do? Not share photos of your friend when he says no? Like, I feel like that was kind of a given. And they're still up, right? They're not. He didn't delete them, right? No, he didn't. I mean, and also, we didn't see Anderson reply. So Andy's saying, oh, he's so mad. I mean, who knows? Who even knows? But the... That's a drama. That's a fair point. But the optics of it is gross. I mean, I'm, not, I'm no Andy Cohen fan. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Kathy Griffin fan. So, of course, I'm not an Andy Cohen fan. But, um, and therefore I'm a little sour on Anderson Cooper too, alas. Oh, um, right, I forgot about that, damn. Yeah. So it does, it brings, again, it brings up agency and consent in terms of what are we allowed to document on the behalf of other people. Uh, since Andy wasn't in those pictures and they were legit just pictures, I mean, we didn't even know if, I mean, those, those really, those photos of, of Anderson, Andy may not have taken. Like, those may have just been grabbed from something. Well, yeah. Um, and also, or shared with him, just saying, look, I had a good, you know, pale day. But, because uh, he is pale as fuck. He is as pale as my face, Anderson Cooper. My goodness. I had no I idea. I wouldn't change it for the world. No, it's 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 perfectly Your face fine. And Anderson Cooper's person. But it's gross. The the optics of it are gross. The the apology, quote unquote, is gross. And he's gross. <laughs> I, I, I guess the the point I wanted to make when bringing this up is just that like there are a lot of presumed boundaries. You know, we talked about earlier with boundaries as a famous person in the spotlight. Mm. I mean. I don't know enough about Andy's life and I don't give a shit. Anderson, he has claimed some privacy in his past. And... Well, because he's a legit journalist, too. There's a certain level of respect that his well, job in terms of like, than Andy's. You know, you, we, we, yeah. we've all worked together and I feel like you both have a certain level of respect where you know what you can post about me and whatnot and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. You sound hesitant. <laughs> no, well, I mean, again, because again, the question would be, 
I mean, we've all made mistakes in that regard too. We've all said something and thought that the other person would be cooler about it, or we take for, I mean, whenever I post uh, a photo that another person person is in, even if we posed for it, I didn't ask that person if I could post it in that instance. Um, I'm still posting white elephant uh, curtain calls from years back. Technically, I haven't spoken to any, some of those people about reposting them. Okay. So yes, there's some discussion. I will say, however, if somebody said, hey, not cool, that I would, I would be receptive to that. And I wouldn't also call them out for telling, every, telling me that. Um, and not just be like, LOL, they're so bad. Yeah. I mean, it, but also I would, have, I would have the expectation that it was a consented upon situation at the time. And there's always going to be context and, and when things are, the way that this is presented is, it's not, it's not the height of revenge porn, but it's still saying this person wouldn't want me to do this, so I'm going to. Even in a playful way, it again gives sort of a mental permission to other people. Even if you really shouldn't get your permissions from Andy Cohen. I, I never trust the judgment of Andy Cohen ever. Um, yeah. All right. Um, time out. I would just like to take a five minute break with you guys. Um, and then we'll get back into the um, other stuff that we planned. I should probably plan like a coming back blurb because I just kind of went into it. But uh, let's take five and we'll resume at. 10.56 Eastern Standard Time. Sharply. I'm not too loud, am I? Oh. 
Hello. Hello. Rob says hi. He's grading. Hi, Rob. Happy grading. <laughs> Not really, I know, but. He's managing, all things considered. School's out and, uh, on campus. Did you take off a layer or change the costume completely? Oh, I just took off a layer. I took off the leather jacket because it was good. Uh, I mean, I'm impressed either way, but I was about to be like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. This is fun. I love this. Thanks. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm always really, really insecure about doing this, so thank you. Victor, you've been to, you've been to Smut, <laughs> Smut Slams. Do you kind of have an idea of what this feels like and how I am? And I'm always nervous it's going to fail. Um, but yeah, this is what it's like, Shirley. <laughs> and it's sort of like throw caution to the wind and hope things happen and fall into place. And they usually kind of fall into some kind of pretty- That's amazing. COVID content, man. This is how it is. But it's also how I am in real time. I know. I totally get that though. Like I've had to spend a good deal of time making concessions with myself and saying, okay, if something goes wrong, like just blame it on the quarantine. Like I don't have a lighting person, a DJ, a sound editor, like, <laughs> like uh, I like, yeah, I, it's a matter of like being less precious about it and just letting it happen. Yeah, yeah I how I've been trying to be about the podcast and everything too. I mean, like when I when I'm hosting, like if I'm hosting something that I produce myself, I spend like weeks, sometimes months, like thinking about what I'm gonna say, and then when I get up on the mic, I'm like, <laughs> this is gonna happen. But then when I like when I do this weekly show in Boston or monthly show Boston, punk rock and a pasty poppin'. Like I don't know who's even gonna be there till the day of, so I roll in and I like blurt out whatever I can about the person and just try to say like whatever nonsense I can say until they go on stage. Um, and people like it, <laughs> so I just keep doing it. Um, yeah, I hate feeling unprepared. Unprepared, um, but I also feel like I do my best hosting when I don't premeditated too much so overthinking is real yes and i do that all day every day 24 7 so um when i uh even when i overthink it i forget everything so yeah i just follow the notes and hope for the best um oh it's 10 56 exactly great good timing everyone so uh i am going to do <laughs> Um, the outro that I didn't do beforehand, and then I'm gonna do the do the intro, and then we'll get back to business. Sound okay? Into it. All right, we are going to take a quick break and resume in uno momento. And we're back with Shirley Just and Victor Devon. I'm gesturing at them as they are on my screens, but they're probably not in the same position that you see them, but ta-da, you're welcome. <laughs> so we talked about enough heavy shit for the night, I think. Well, it's night for me. I don't know what time it is where you are, listeners. I know what time it is where you are, Shirley, and where you are, Victor, but if you're listening to this, it might be fucking dawn. I don't know. Um, which... I appreciate you listen to me at dawn, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, there's, uh, there's running, running music. They're listening to you. What we're? Are you saying we're running music? Because you're. 
looked like nice <laughs> jogging. You said it was dawn. What are people doing at dawn? I assume jogging. I mean, yes, but we're not running. <laughs> not yet. We'll see what happens in the next five, ten minutes. Um, let's see. So, <clears throat> on the topic of running music or not running music, if you know what I mean, one thing I always ask is... Um, I had a name for this. What was it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I always like to ask my guests what their favorite sex song and least favorite sex song is. Now, this has been translated very differently through, through every panel I've had. Um, sometimes people say, oh, this is the song that I want to fuck to the most, and or it's a song that makes me want to fuck, or it's a song that about sex that is terrible, or a song that I would never want to fuck to in the world. Like the very <laughs> the inaugural bad sex song was Baby Shark, and you can't refute that. But that was also not the assignment I was trying to assign. Um, but for anyone who's hoping to be on this and has that song has been claimed um, by Noye Brown West. I was like, that wasn't what I was planning, but you did it very well, and I applaud you. Um, so I always like to ask people what their favorite sex song and what their not favorite, least favorite sex song is. Um, let's start with the best sex song, because I feel like that's the least favorite sex song is usually more interesting. Um, <laughs> So both of my guests assigned or sent me their tracks in advance, and I have them lined up for once in my life. Um, but I want to have each of you introduce them anyway, because it would make me happy. Um, Victor, tell yeah. me about your favorite sex song. Is well, there... um, I, I think this was probably one of the most explicit songs that I had heard as a youth. Um, we talk a lot about uh, like Cardi B, like reinventing sex for another generation in terms of lyrics. Uh, but there have been songs for, you know, centuries um, about sex. And so I took this literally as well as, as figuratively. This is a good song, I think, that is about sex as well as a sexy song. So I, I think I, I think I did the assignment correctly. Um, and I chose Justify My Love by Madonna, uh, written by Lenny Kravitz, additional lyrics by Madonna, uh, incontrovertibly connected to the music video, but very hot on its own. <laughs> and I think it still holds up. This is from 1990. And it has a public enemy sample. It has uh, it's just a series of song, just series of lyrics about intimacy uh, with a partner. And I just think it's very hot. You want me to keep talking about it? <laughs> Yes, I understand completely. 
Not that I was the slightest bit surprised by your choice, but it was a, it's good, a good. It's a good classic. It's a good classic. Not didn't want to overthink it. Didn't want to overthink it. No, I mean, like, as long as it hasn't been claimed already, like, I think about my choices very carefully because I do one every episode. Oh, um, valid. But you're the uh, as not to, not that I'm surprised, but you're the first person to claim a Madonna song. You're welcome, and you chose a very very good one. Thank you. Because uh, it definitely ha- gets those leather regions grinding. <laughs> um, now, Shirley, what did you want to pitch? Well, you know, at first I thought the sex, the best song to have sex to has to be Marvin Gaye's Let it, Let's Get It On. And I thought, you know, that's almost a little too stereotypical. It's almost a little too showy it's when sex is a lot more than that. And so I... I thought about like where I am right now and a lot of the work that I'm, I'm doing in DBSM and uh, reaching out to clients, uh, doing all this stuff and accruing all these skills and whatnot. And I happened back across a song that was really primal and something that was dirty and filthy and uh, so much that, that sex isn't always pretty and it's not always nice and it's not always packaged exactly how you want it to. But if you let the passion move you, then you can have some incredible experiences. So I chose Closer by Nine Inch Nails. classic choice that no one has gone with yet and yes it's funny the first introduction I ever had to that song was a weird alpaca do you got the other one I do I forgot about that yeah 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 and I was like 12 so I was like why are all these words missing (laughs) yeah but um I actually really love showing the way you piggy the way you intro that because I'm piggybacking on that with my choice. It's also very sort of connected across the board because uh, Victor, this is a song that I go go to at one of your shows, and it's it's not pretty. It's very like drunk make out hookup, hate everything in the morning, but in the moment it's a great fucking song. It's uh, hit and run by Breathe Carolina. You can't separate uh, Lucas from the Dirty Pop. You just can't. (laughs) And I'm laughing because um, the lyrics in the lyric video that I queued up were wrong. Oh. Is it this 
this ain't no drop that love because that makes sense. No, there's this ain't no drive. This ain't no drive by love, and it makes me think of the time I tried to sing "Toxic" at karaoke, and failed because all of the lyrics were wrong. Oh, on the screen. Yeah, it was all like, um, oh, is it? Is it? Taste if your lips are on a ride. Your toxic tongue slipping mine. No. No, no, everyone knows it's not the words. <laughs> um, anyway, that was my call for tonight. Um, because I, I try to make a substantial dent every time I do this. Um, you on. should make like a Spotify playlist of all the, the good ones. Like a, well, like it's a, a good, good thing I have all the emails lined up so I can still do that. <laughs> yes, I will do that. It's a good idea. Thank you, Victor. I'll, You're welcome. I'll make it a, a memorial to Victor Devano sometime. Um, this is the part we talk about the songs that are terrible for sex. Um, and based on some of the tracks that you sent me, I'm thinking you guys are uh, planning for the worst songs to fuck to rather than the worst songs about sex. And that's fine. Um, I mean, what? it could be. It could, it could, it, you, could go, you could go multiple ways. Admittedly, yes, I picked a song that I thought would be a bad song for sex. But also because I don't think it's a very high bar for relationships, um, and I don't think it's—I don't think it's a good it's a terrible yeah. bar for relationships. Yeah. No. So, do you want to introduce it a little more? Sure. Yeah, uh, I chose the inimitable uh, "Deep Blue Something" track, "Breakfast at Tiffany's." Tiffany's. Tiffany's. I said Tiffany's. It's only for like Tiffany's from here. Sorry, but uh, here it is. It's just like the lowest possible excitement. <laughs> it was more of a relationship. Like, we like that movie. Like, maybe we can stay together. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you can basically insert Breakfast at Tiffany's with any other, like, mundane situation. And like, well, I mean, I guess we kind of like this. Yeah. No, so you should not I, be I fucking to, that person. I have to make a confession. I have never seen that video before now. Oh, I don't even know if I have, frankly. And I would fuck every single guy in that video. Oh. <laughs> you know me, I'm a 90s baby. I do. Uh, I gotta look up what they look like. Well, the music video, I mean, like, it's, it's. Yeah, you know, I could, yeah, yeah, the yeah you, these, these are your types. These are your types. Yes, yes, you know this. <laughs> Thank you for confirming that. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely will not be closing that window until we are done here. Um, Shirley, would you like to talk about your terrible sex song? I would indeed, because just like Victor, I, this isn't a, necessarily a song about sex, but it certainly is one that I have some personal experience with, actually. I, I wonder if maybe I'm trying to uh, confront such uh, bad experiences and, and let them free. <laughs> well, let's see. Everybody was so for fighting. Those things were fast as lightning. And fighting for some love. Fighting. Imagine being a college boy. Um, getting ready to get 
everything that you're trying to work through, that comes on. Yeah. Those lyrics definitely don't hold up. I can tell you that much. I didn't see that person for very long. No, like my first exposure to that song was not the original version, but a remix that was on the original Powers Re- Power Rangers movie soundtrack. So mostly for the beat to drop, and it never does. Oh, that I is the it. nerdy faggot that I am. <laughs> my first exposure to like mainstream music was the very first Power Rangers the movie soundtrack. So like. I'd be 12 and say, yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because they had higher ground on that soundtrack. <laughs> I'm not sorry, I'm just explaining myself, okay? <laughs> um, but that is a terrible song to fuck to. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Fast as fast lightning, too. It's bad, bad implications. That's bad momentum. It's the the... Motion of the ocean, not the size of the ship. And the motion of the ocean should not go lightning speed. <laughs> not really selling your best qualities, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, mine was a song that I had forgotten about until less than a year ago when um, a certain performer did it in Boston. And I was the only person in the bar who knew it. And I screamed, and they were just really happy that I knew the song, because it is um, something that I learned when I was way too young to know the song, uh, but it is um, by a group or duo, or I don't even know, called the Hightown DJs, and the song is called Ding-A-Lang. This went in a very different direction than I thought it would. Very unexpected track. Yeah. That was like on the radio when I first started listening to mainstream music when I was like 11 or 12. Wow. And Who is that again? The Hightown DJs. High spelled H I. Okay. Well, of course. You were worried. Yes. It yeah. does sound it does sound like something that would like be innocuous on like the Space Jam soundtrack or something like that. Like yeah. come on ride the I mean, train. Same era for sure. Yeah. Definitely, that, definitely like a, a contemporary of Come on Ride the Train. Yeah. I could see that. Which I mean a lot of those songs, even everything like I don't I would I think a lot of folks were way too young to be singing like Be My Lover by La Bouche. I think that was perhaps unnecessary at, at 11. <laughs> I, I don't know that I will ever agree with you on that, on the kind of LaBouche, but I otherwise agree. All but right. I also just really love LaBouche. So. Oh, well, no, I mean, listen. <laughs> I am listening. That's what I I'm was saying. listening to Justify My Love at age 10. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those things like you have no idea what you're listening to until like 10 years later. You're like, oh no. Like, 
I was the same age when I was being driven to school and Too Close by Next was playing on the radio. And I had no idea. <laughs> same with Pony. Like, yeah, it's a but music I- thing that's happening. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, no. I feel like it's a great time to bring things to a close uh, because it is at least fairly late in two of our time zones. Um, But thank you both so much for joining me. This has been a great time. I would love to give you an opportunity to plug all your stuff before we say goodnight. So um, just because this has been the order, because it looks like it makes sense where I am. Victor, where do you want people to stalk you on the internet? Oh, um, you can find me pretty much everywhere as Victor Devon, all together, V-I-K-T-O-R-D-E-V-O-N-N-E, or W-E Burlesque, all one word. Uh, pretty much always on, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, right now, I'm focusing, since we're not performing right now, I have We Burlesque the Podcast, which you can listen to on nearly every platform. And uh, I talk to burlesquers and nightlife people. Uh, Lucky has been on it, and I will get Shirley at some point. I don't know who Lucky is, but he looks like me. Sorry, Lucas. God damn it. Uh, God damn it. I was so good. I was so good. Find it. Yeah. I was so good. Uh, But yes, I talked to a lot of folk about, and right now, obviously, we're talking about what it's like to be uh, burlesquers and nightlife people without stages, but uh, we're optimistic, I will say. Generally speaking, we're, we're an optimistic bunch. And I also have a uh, two night stay, which is the number two, the word night stay, which is my original uh, flash fiction, ghost story, murder mystery series, which you can and also- they owe you an email, sorry. It's all right. That was my subtle way of, of acknowledging that. <laughs> it's fine, great. No, but awesome. <laughs> Shirley, tell us everything. Well, you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, on under Shirley U J E S T Shirley U period Jeff. I'm doing a live show every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Excuse <coughs> me, Eastern Standard Time. I'm doing uh, like I said the Lisa Bell uh, vinyl singles thing. I've uh, posted that all over my social media, and that's pre-order and September 17th. Um, and then what else? Uh, oh, the my big day Italian midlife crisis is actually going to be coming back. I, we were supposed to be performing in April, and we've, it, we've finally gotten all our ducks lined up in a row, and if everything goes well and the New Jersey governor uh, doesn't change course, then we should be doing a limited run at the beginning of October in uh, Avenue. So keep watching for that. I'm, I'm post that all over the place. I, uh, my announcements are uh, always all over my social media accounts. But... Uh, I hope that you'll uh, come and see some live stuff with me. Awesome. And also, normally I don't want to draw more attention to, more attention to, more to, normally I don't want to draw more attention to myself than is necessary, but I did recently do a big re... <laughs> Victor's thing fell down. Um, no, uh, I did recently do a big reblend of my blog, intellectualhomosexual.com, where uh, things are prettier and more colorful now. And I have a MailChimp email list that I would love to have people sign up on so that I can tell you what the fuck I'm doing in my life. Um, Because I want to make this shit more of my actual job. 
Um, so yeah, just just go to intellectualhomosexual.com. All my other shit can be found there. It's not hard to navigate from there. Um, but uh, yes, please follow Victor. Please follow Shirley. Please follow me. This has been a lovely evening. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to The Dirty Dish. I need to go to bed. Good night. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm.